Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 210. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me as we continue on in our lessons in Luke. Today we are in chapter 15 of uh, the book of Luke. And in today's episode, there there are three, I I think, three important stories that occur in chapter 15. Um, just for the sake of time, we won't read them all. We will just kind of summarize because there's, I think, a very important uh, connection between them that oftentimes, uh, depending on uh, maybe what you know circles you travel in uh, in the you know religious uh, spheres, you may have different appreciations for this text. Um, so I just want to kind of point out something that may be new to you. I think in previous episodes we've talked about this, um, so this may just be review for some of you, uh, but I don't think you can review Scripture too much. So um, we'll just make our way into it. There are a few parables that are given in Luke 15, and the first one is the parable of the lost sheep, and then the second is a parable dealing with a lost coin, and then the third and final parable is the parable of the lost son. Now, um, in the lost sheep parable, we find that uh, Jesus gives this scenario that suppose that one of you has a hundred sheep and you've lose one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 and go after the lost sheep? And then when you find it, you joyfully bring it home and then you celebrate with all of your friends and your neighbors because you found that lost sheep. And then Jesus concludes it by saying, in that same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one center, sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's, that's kind of a, um, a fascinating thing just to consider all of its own. But the parable then of the lost coin, Jesus gives another scenario here which says he supposes that a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one of them and then he says wouldn't she light a lamp and sweep her house and search it carefully until she finds it when she finds it she calls her friends and she celebrates with that of her neighbors and and they and says to rejoice for i have found my lost coin in the same way i tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner who repents so there's there's that um there's a kind of a repetitive theme there with this you know rejoicing over the repentance of a sinner then the third parable, which is more of the lengthy one, but there's two, a, a man who has two sons, and this younger son tells his father to give him the inheritance of his estate, so, which in culturally that would have been him equally saying, I would rather you be dead, so let me go ahead and get what's due to me and as though you were dead. So this is a big request, and it's very insulting. Um, 
And so the father divides up his property between the two sons. That's important to notice. He does give it, it does separate the inheritance between both of them, not just the younger. But then we find that this younger son goes off and to a distant country, he squanders his wealth and this wild living and spends everything that he had. And then there comes a severe famine. And so he hires himself out to the citizens of that country who then send him to feed pigs, which culturally pigs were unclean. They were not to be involved with them. So this was a big deal that he was in the situation. Um, but no one gave him anything. This this young son was was hungry, starving. So finally he comes to his senses. He determines he is going to repent to his father, and he heads back home. Uh, you may be familiar with the story, but the father sees him from far off, and he meets, he runs to him, and the son is allowed to repent that he has sinned against heaven and against the father and he's not worthy to be called your to be called your son and instead of giving the father make me like one of your servants the father robes him gives him his ring and puts sandals on his feet which again is a whole nother message of its own the father kills this fattened calf if there's a celebration we know the older brother is um, immensely jealous of this, who he feels like he has never sinned against the father, always done as he ne- as he asked. He's been faithful to him, slaving away for him, and he's never been given a young goat so that he could celebrate. And the f- the father reminds him. He says, "My son," the father said, "You are always with me, and everything I have is yours." That should. That's a revelation in itself. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So here we see, in though it's not explicitly stated, we see kind of this repentant heart in coming back. Now, here's the thing that I want to kind of illustrate there are multiple things that we can determine, that we can conclude from these parables. But one, but one component of it, and I think it's a huge one, we always look at these parables and we, we look at them through the lens of this, um, you know, someone getting saved, a lost person getting saved, and repenting and being, so to speak, spared from judgment, which judgment is real. And if you die lost, not saved, then there is a real judgment that is an eternal separation from God. So this is, this is a real appreciation. But here's something that we often don't connect in these three parables, a, a woven thread between all three is that there is a displacement issue. So we have this lost sheep. The sheep still belong to the shepherd, 
but it was lost. It was displaced. It was out of proximity. It was not near to the shepherd. Then we see a lost coin. The coin still belonged to the woman. It was misplaced. It was distant. It was displaced. And then we see this lost son. The son was still a son of the father. He was displaced. He was not near the father. There is a theme recurring in these with echoes of the necessity of nearness. And I think this is such a huge revelation for each and every one of us to come to. That any time we are distant from, from our Father, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, anytime we are distant, we have a, we have a problem. There is dysfunction in our lives. We allow opportunities to be taken by the enemy, which, which then is exploited, and we find ourselves in these positions or this posture of, you know, just like this, the younger son, he, when he came to his senses, when he came to his right mind, we find ourselves in that place where we, we get in this stupor, and we, until, it's not until, by the grace of God, we come to our right mind and we think, where have I been? been what have i what have i done and so it you know it takes the grace of god to come to that reality but each three of these parables an an issue a a major issue is an issue of nearness an issue of proximity to to the father uh, to our lord and so if you find yourself in this place of distance to God, then th- this is this is a priority, a, an issue of priority. You know, we and and here I'm speaking to believers, those saved. Um, we will all find ourselves in some sort of dysfunction, like the like the younger son and because the whole point of Jesus was to to do what we are incapable of doing we could not cannot will not live a perfect uh perfectly righteous life we can't we don't have it within our power thus our need for a savior so we will find ourselves from time and from time to another in an issue similar and and but if we make if we make our attempt at living perfectly then we will we will begin this race of futility we will be frustrated we will be disgusted with ourselves we will be we will be many things that will drive us further and further away it will create this chasm between yourself and god and drive you if you're not careful to the point of just giving up and saying this is impossible i can't do it and you would be right you can't do it if you make your aim to live perfectly You'll be frustrated, and if you're not careful, you'll wander even farther away. So what's the answer? 
The answer isn't to try harder. It's to stay nearer to God. This is the primary issue here in these parables. It's nearness to God. When we don't make, when we don't keep our focus on being perfect, we keep our focus on keeping our eyes stuck to, glued to God, to Jesus, then it's in that fascination with his eyes that we can live more righteously and more righteously. We, we wear his righteousness. He, Jesus is the righteousness of God who, who puts us on. So we're covered in his righteousness. I'm speaking to believers, but it is, it is still in the heart of God that we are to be righteous as he is righteous. So our strive, though, is not to live perfectly. Our strive is to stay near, to stay close to his heart. Think of John leaning on the chest of Christ at the Last Supper. And it's in that place, the the place of uh, the posture of Mary at his feet, hanging on every word that he says. This is the posture we must have. And it's from that place that we are enabled to live more and more embodying Jesus. And and so um, I think that's important for us to remember. Um, and I think that will help someone out there listening to this very episode. And, um, and it's definitely transformed my life. Um, and it's taken away a lot of frustration. Um, it's not all gone. I still struggle. I'm still frustrated over struggles. But it's by by staying fascinated to his eyes is what keeps us in the place of healthiness. And so I would just encourage you to do that, to stay fixed on him and stay near, to stay in proximity to the Lord. And it's by that we more greatly emulate him to the world around us. So thank you for staying with me. We will see you on the next one. God bless. If it means I'm close to you. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here.